to another episode of Football Outside. I'm your host, Glow. On today's pod, we talk to you about winners and losers of football in a pandemic. Well, no one really wins, but sometimes <laughs> there are some good things and some bad <laughs> things. And we tell you how the Premier League can bring fans back into stadiums. Yeah, we have the answers. Dan, welcome back. Thanks so much. I'm not doing as well as uh, Mr. Bezos there with Amazon, but I am doing okay. Thank you. Got my Ibrahimovic kit on. Oh, delightful. Top I mean, score. It's, that's a winner. Winner that's right a winner. there. Yeah, yeah. Top score of the Premier League. Or sorry, of the uh, of Serie A there. Put another yeah. two in yesterday. I put myself in the mid-lower table of the winner situation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm like... Yeah, I'll about describe it. Um, so we want to begin the pod with what's caught our eye recently in the footballing world. And I really, really want to start with this story because it was absolutely bonkers. I think I spent like a good two hours like watching and reading about this game. And I hope you haven't heard about it because I have to tell you the story. It's brilliant. It's the MLS playoffs. Yes, let's hear it. Let's hear it. Okay. Tell me. Oh, brilliant. It's been okay. a busy week, so maybe I haven't quite caught on. Okay, so the MLS playoffs uh, started this week, and uh, between, um, so actually it was place, for, it was, they were playing for a place in the semis, Orlando City and NYC FC, and that by far went to penalty shootouts, and that might have been the craziest penalty shootout I have ever seen in my entire life. Okay, so here's what happens. Um, so we're at the point in the penalty shootouts, about three or four that have been taken. Yeah, and the in, uh, NYCFC missed their first penalty. So Orlando and Nani have a leg up. Okay, doing so well, right? Yeah. And then um, um, who Castellanos, I believe. Uh, steps up to take a a penalty kick and this is the last one so he needs to make it and uh, and Orlando need to miss theirs in order for this to continue so he takes the kick and the Orlando City FC like dives and saves it immediately storms off running in celebration you know it the coach is like running down the tunnel probably make made it to the next town over and then while, while all this celebration is going on uh like the, the ref goes to his ear and everybody's like oh no it's just going to be called back so it turns oh, no. out like he'd stepped forward before like right before the game i don't really think it's greatly unforgiving and kind of useless but that's not what we're here to discuss yeah well man so, united benefited from that similar situation hey the weekend Exactly. I still yeah. don't like it even when I, well, even when my it's team It's so benefit. hard to save a PK. It is already so hard. Like, I'm sorry, but like the one step taken forward is not, you know? Well, I think I'm, I'm with you on that. But that's, you'd think that's a crazy bit. No, it is not. <laughs> so they get, they go back and um, actually the ref gives the goalkeeper a yellow and he was already on a yellow what so i didn't know that How the stepping this? off was like a yellow off like do you know like a car so what did he get it for in a penalty shoot if you step off it's it's what delay game or something like that i i don't know i think it might have it could it's either like stepping off or it's the discussion like the oh, back the and forth maybe or something yeah descent oh, okay. perhaps but anyway so now the goalkeeper is out <laughs> just like oh okay gosh. just like okay this penalty this. needs to be retaken and then the backup keeper uh, i think Rowe, um immediately like gets his gloves up goes in goal and um just and everybody's like should he be there didn't they use all their subs also you cannot <laughs> put subs in once a penalty shootout has started but all this discussion is happening and like the backup goalkeeper is just like already on the line and it's the penalty kick is literally about to be taken before the ref goes it's like oh actually i think we kind of forgot about this <laughs> so oh you can't put on a goalkeeper so there's another like five minutes of like uh okay what do we do now so they put on an outfield player and he did not like he did not save the penalty from Cassianos. But then um, it goes on that um, so Orlando said he need to make the next one. Nani steps up, misses the penalty. <laughs> oh my! 
<laughs> like Onani steps up, oh. misses the penalty, and then there's another back and forth where like the outfield player fails to save it but then um so they're now in sudden death and then the Orlando City make one and then it finally the outfield player saves the penalty he saved one of them oh it's crazy God. and it's how, just how did he save it was it just a bad was it a bad shot was it a good save like, it was a terrible shot however <laughs> <laughs> he did like Still didn't dive it. and he was just oh like standing gosh. in like this kind of like mid squat it's like and came at him and it was brilliant and obviously he runs off like to celebrate as well but we're like oh you actually still need to take one more to make it because like nycfc went first but they did make it and they won but it was truly like 30 30 minutes to take a penalty shootout that just sounds like like the most crazy mls thing ever like i know that mls gets some stick for certain things but personally like I have such a warm affection for the random entertainment value that you can get from the MLS, the unpredicted, unpredicted things that can happen. Um, so for those who are listening, definitely rewatch this match or at least the shootout. And uh, sounds like it's some pretty in- good entertainment there, hey? It was such good entertainment. And now, obviously, the Orlando City Club Shop is um, selling... Um, <laughs> Jer- the, like, oh, oh, no the goalkeeper jerseys that's awesome. <laughs> which is uh it was it was brilliant it was so oh, that's funny great. that he'll never forget that one eh yeah exactly it was like it ended well i mean i can't imagine yeah anyway so i really really wanted to talk about this oh, <laughs> so it took like 10 minutes but oh, it was love it love it that's the kind Schlegel. of story we like to hear yeah that's awesome well quick shout out to uh the thing that's been catching my eye again yesterday uh for those who haven't listened to the episode about turkish football josh selchuk our guest he he really put in a word there for what Lille is doing in liga with their turkish import players and uh yusuf yasici or yasici uh he scored another brace yesterday they won four nil jonathan david finally got hit the monkey off his back scored the first goal in uh liga this season for himself got an assist as well and uh i think they're the real deal like watching them play the, i personally think they play milan off the park in europa league they play them again this week and of course milan is in first place in syria i'm excited to see what that might do for this debate of all oh, league is such a, a lower lower caliber league i mean i think Lille are really demonstrating yet again another club that is each season they're selling players after their good runs but they're continuing to develop excellent players and they're so fun to watch and uh, Renato Sanchez is is uh, rediscovering his game it's great to see so I'm excited for the uh, the match against Milan this week although I, I do have that affinity for Ibrahimovic but uh, I kind of want Lille to, to go ahead and win this personally yeah I'm I'm looking forward to that as well I have um, like some time this week so I might just my calendar is just truly a lot of time on the couch watching football which has been really nice that's great (laughs) so I will have lots of thoughts (laughs) on that all right uh, let's take a quick break and we'll be back with our discussion on football in a pandemic Welcome back, everybody. So today we're going to talk about the winners and losers of the pandemic that we've all experienced in football. Although, really, there's no no winners at the end of the day. My first winner, though, Glow, I got to mention, uh, after doing some research, I've been very impressed with Aston Villa. Uh, there's been... So, I know you like your stats, eh, Glow? You like your stats? So i got some numbers for you today. Please. But <laughs> Aston Villa, pre- and post-pandemic or sorry, pre and post restart, I should say, what a case of two different clubs. This is an example of a club that took like the time off per se and just really, really invested time and energy into figuring out how to win some matches, get themselves a place in the Premier League again. And, you know, if they didn't, if they didn't stay up, let's be honest, they could be in a completely different situation. I was looking at the, the research, they're saying, the average finish of a team that gets relegated from the Premier League finishes around eighth in the championship the following season. So not only could they be relegated, like they could be staying in the championship as we speak, but instead they stay up and they, let's be honest, they keep Grealish, you know, 
Man, uh, Villa fans are not going to have to research in YouTube how to take uh, names off their kits. Um, <laughs> also, they buy Watkins. You know, they they don't sign Martinez. Let's be honest. Martinez does not go to Villa if they don't stay up. So yeah. what a different turnaround. So this, for me, is a huge win for Villa with regard to the season stops. They hit the ground, get get the books going. Apparently, Grealish was saying they had Zoom calls twice a week about de- defensive formations, trying to figure out what were they were doing wrong, what they were doing right. And here's some stats for you. So pre-lockdown, they had one of the worst XG uh, per 90. So for those who don't understand, XG is a, is a newer stat in the last couple of years. They've created, uh, refers to expected goals. So based on all the chance creation of the opponent, based on all the shots where they're taken, as a, um, they factor in all the times a shot's been taken from that position and the likelihood of it going in. So they were conceding like 2.35 goals per game. In other words, when they go into a match, that's how many goals that they should be shipping Post lockdown, that dropped to 1.17, so just over a goal per 90. Uh, also, take for example a player like um, their center, their center defensive midfielder, Douglas Louise. Mm-hmm. He was going into the lockdown as one of the worst performing center defensive midfielders in the league, winning only 49% of his tackles. So he's going into every tackle, winning maybe one of one out of every two. That rose to the the best performer in that position after lockdown. 67% uh, defensive duels won. So they totally turned their defensive game around. And uh, I've been very very impressed with their start as well. Of course, they, they've, they've been tremendous. So maybe you could argue they won't keep that form and they might finish more like mid-table. But nonetheless, um, what, a, what a turnaround, hey, with Villa. Yeah, that's that's really good, and I'm very sure this is to the delight of all Villa fans. I would say I'm. I think it's been good for them, and that definitely goes without saying that keeping Grealish has uh, been very good for them, and getting Barkley in there has been yes, good, wonderful. Yes, that's true. Barkley on that signing as well. Yeah. Yeah, I guess my question is how. Where do you think they? Do they strengthen? What's their strategy here? Do they strengthen in the winter window? Do they like try to keep this gel going, knowing that they are likely to stay up and then do strengthening in the summer? I guess, how do you play it if you're Villa? No, it's a good question. I mean, I think we're going to see for all these teams, we've already talked about this, keeping that starting 11, starting 13, you know, 11 through 13 players healthy is going to be the key. I think their team's excellent. I think they don't have any glaring gaps for me um but you could probably make an argument for you need uh at least one backup to to maybe watkins up front Mm -hmm. but i mean isn't that the case with everyone everyone needs more depth at striker don't they um one one quick note though about villa do you remember glow at the start post lockdown that fiasco with the referee's watch not going off when the ball crossed the line oh yes so i i forgot about that entirely until i was researching villa but against sheffield united sheffield united, right and it scored they scored the goal it's clearly crossed the line but the, anyway that game ended up in a nil nil okay. draw yeah and so you know I, I was thinking about how like that and villa only stayed up by one point so what a change and um you know, again, like I said, by the end of the season, only Manchester United and Wolves had conceded fewer chances post lockdown. So uh, impressive with uh, Villa's defense there, and I think that will really hold them in good stead. But no, a good point about January. I mean, players are going to be expensive as per usual in the January window, and does Villa even have much more money to spend? We shall see. <laughs> yeah. Please open those pocketbooks. Yeah, I think if they can keep that team healthy. My recommendation is like everyone is going to be scrambling to get as much depth as possible. So even in a pandemic, I imagine in my head is like there's going to be even more of a premium. So if you can focus on like health and be comfortable finishing um, uh, like somewhere in a mid table or mid table, I think that's a pretty good strategy instead of like spending an extra like $30 million and not getting like another spot up, up the table, you know? So who's your, uh, who do you got for me as a winner? Okay, so my first winner uh, is Real Sociedad. So 
I am uh, quite excited about uh, about them in some ways. Sociedad uh, getting two mentions on the F Football Sides uh, podcast. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Part of it is like because I made when we did our follow ups of like our predictions of um, who, like the players and signings were. I was like, oh, like I feel like Bernardo Silva could be a good influence. And you know, I kind of I'm feeling more and more comfortable, and I can say it from my chest now. And like pretty soon, I feel like I'm gonna be able to shout it from the rooftop. <laughs> So, um, Sociedad, but today I wanted to focus overall on the team, given the fiasco that is going on in La Liga. So, Sociedad, yeah, they're um, top of the table, 23 points. Again, huge caveat here is that they have played 10 games and their teams who've played 9 or 8 games. So, it is very much that you could be caught. But again, they're at the top of the table. Uh, I think Atleti, with their win over Barca, are now... Right behind them, they're in the Europa League and then the Copa del Rey, but they seem to be managing well. However, what was really interesting uh, when I was following up on this story was that how the club is run and the club just seems pretty like you have the sporting director, Roberto Olabe. Um, he used to be apparently Sociedad's goalkeeper, and when he put together the squad, actually had a young Javi uh, Alonso, which is really nice, and they won the title in obviously or two or three. But the team he's putting together now, so he was uh, part of the squad that uh, managed to secure Bernardo Silva. But the team that actually started most in the most recent game, I believe, no, not the most recent game, but the one about. Uh, the one against Celta was so impressive because like 16 of the 16 players, the 12 were like graduates of Sociedad's B team and none of them were older than 25. So it's a very young team as well, even though they have like a Bernardo Silva who is like 34 years old, but the overall makeup of the team is quite young. So I thought that was really, really impressive. But like, it seems like they're building from the ground up and I find that quite exciting and maybe some key facts and player notes for you is um, uh, David Silva. Sorry, I said Bernardo Silva prior. I meant David Silva. Uh, David Silva, he got his first illegal goal in Nova Dakin, and it was a header. Won't you believe that? In Are the you game kidding me? <laughs> yeah. No way. I was like, what? I can't like even truly remember when a goal was like when he scored a goal. I mean, it's been over a decade, so I guess not very, very. <laughs> yeah. And then he also had um, two assists in the game. And he looks like his team up with uh, Porto and Alexandra Isak is going really well. So that's who he provided the assists for and other players to watch out for that are doing quite well uh, Mikel Morino who's just 24 and he's like starting over like Coque and Saoniguez in the Spanish national team which was really cool and then the captain Mikel, uh, Mikel Oyazabal who is also 23 again that's truly children he's 23 <laughs> my goodness yeah like so- they, could have, they could have the squad for years if they get them together Exactly, and then they have Christian Porto, who is who they who is not an academy product, but they only bought him for ten million. So that's they're doing so well. Anyway, I'm finding them to be a very exciting team. I'm not sure if they no, would I be able this. to like challenge. I for mean, the wouldn't title. it be obviously we'll see what happens in the Bundesliga, but like, wouldn't it be unprecedented if all the the top leagues in Europe suddenly had new challengers, right? I mean, Milan winning, let's say, not to say that they're a new challenger, like they've won historically, but, you know, finally to dethrone Juventus, maybe Sociedad, finally is is the new club in town. Maybe we see Lille or someone else win Liga for the first time. Oh my gosh, it'd be great. It'd be great. Who knows what happens in the Premier League this year, although Liverpool just won with an understrength squad, but... Um, yeah. No, I like that show. That's great. Yeah, I'm very excited. It doesn't seem one like given how young the team is on average, there doesn't seem to be any pressure to sell any of those assets, as far as I know. So you get to keep that team. And given the crazy weird year we're having at the moment, I think if and the fact that the traditional like big two three, uh, one is in a transition, others are just. No one knows what's happening. Like, I mean, this could be like a real opportunity. It would be like the Leicester season where they just like keep going and everyone's just like, but they're going to drop off, right? <laughs> but yeah, so the, at least it's it's interesting and I'm very excited about that bit. But they Glo- also, 
Sorry, go ahead. Yeah. Speaking of um, speaking of La Liga, can I share with you my first loser? Please go ahead. Okay. My first loser of this pandemic, which there are many, unfortunately, let's let's be honest. But the first loser is none other than the hamstring. Just just purely the hamstring. And uh, so I was looking at some research from La Liga in particular, pre and post lockdown. At the end of the La Liga season, there was a 105% increase in injuries from the expected amount of injuries they would see in those last, whatever it was, 9 to 11 games. 105% increase in muscle injuries. Only a 29% increase in traumatic injuries. So that's like... Uh, breaks or ACL tears, that kind of thing, which is still terrible. I mean, 29% increase is still an increase. But at the end of the day, the the, the hamstrings out there, the calf injuries, the the, the muscle niggles, um, you know, the the percentages are, are showing that there has been a lot of injuries, of course. So that was out of La Liga. There was some interesting research, though, out of uh, the English Premier League, and they did some analysis on, I think it was like Bournemouth, Tottenham, uh, Manchester United, a few other bigger clubs, and mm-hmm. they showed a slight decrease in injuries, or at least they didn't match the expected injury count. But I personally think that has a lot to do with, again, depth, because they yeah. had that whole five substitution rule. So there was more, you know, the the bigger squads were seeing more uh, rotation. You know, a team's like, come on, let's be honest, Pep has so many, he's got basically two starting teams, doesn't he? So he was able to take advantage of that and play a lot more players and uh, avoid injury. So it, I think I think the it'll be interesting to see if that five substitution rule comes back to some of the other top leagues. We've seen a few leagues go with it right now. But um, yeah, the poor hamstrings out there. Yeah, I, that's so true. Um, I grew up a runner, so I do not have, like, my hamstrings were quite tight for a while. So may I rec- recommend yoga to a lot of these players? This could help a little bit. I mean, it's done wonders for me. <laughs> but um, in a similar vein, my loser was not a particular body part, but overall player health. Yes, player health, um, yeah. Just strong L being taken on the player front right now. So... Obviously, you have the immediate, like, we have the schedule is, has been congested as always, but it's somehow even more congested as is at the moment, and which is absolutely insane given yeah. how many, and then you have players, like, obviously catching COVID and then COVID or and obvi- abiding by the quarantine rules, which you just, like, slashes player depth, which plays mm-hmm. into, like, why there are so many massive injuries. There's not enough time between games for players to recover, and even and then you add on top of that that there's now a smaller squad. You're like, w- mm-hmm. what's happening? And another big contributor to that, which you alluded to, was the loss of the five subs in most leagues, mm-hmm. which is still absolutely baffling mm-hmm. to me because, like, if the argument, if some of the argument is that like it's going to greatly advantage the Liverpool as a place with more depth, it's still going to be good for you because mm-hmm. like if you're a team that you lose like three of your players, even if you're a small team and you lose five of your players to COVID and now you're they are for two weeks, it would be really nice if you did not have to like just commit to three subs of like your academy players that you now mm-hmm. have to play. Yeah. Uh, are you a proponent then of the five sub rule? I'm emphatically pro yeah. the five sub rule. And if I can sign a petition somewhere, someone let me know. <laughs> That's awesome. Honestly, I am too. Um, Mostly, though, for me, it was the well player health for sure. That's important to mention. But it's I've always found that football is one of the disproportionate matches for how many people are playing in a match versus how many substitutions are, are allowed. You know, you take other sports that have similar numbers. You know, American football. You see rugby. Uh, I don't know about Aussie rules football, but uh, a lot of other sports have almost everyone can can play a part in a match if they're brought to the mat you know the match itself so and and just for the sake of player development too like i I would love to see more players in the pitch you know more people get a chance to develop more players get a chance to to get minutes i think is huge so now of course you bring in the arguments of well it privileges the the more expensive clubs and all that 
fair enough. You know, there's probably a point to be made there because, I mean, how many teams can bring Mares off the bench or bring, you know, complete difference makers off the bench? But at the same time, if I'm a youth player or if I'm a, you know, a 19-year-old trying to get minutes, I want to put my fingertips on that, you know, my fingerprints on that match too. You know, give me exactly. a chance, right? Yeah, I mean, like, you want, no one will get a Mares, but, like, having three subs doesn't make it so that Pip can't put a Mares off the bench. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, it doesn't yeah. negate it. What it does is, like, give, like, a real tangible goal of, like, if I go to this match and I'm a 19-year-old kid, I could, like, legit, literally be picked because there's, like, now two more windows of yes. opportunity. And you can be strategic about, yeah, when you make that sub and all that. So, uh, and they had, they had some safeguards, didn't they? Like where you couldn't make all subs at the, or you had to make them at certain periods so that... And the three pre- windows. Yeah, it prevented, you know, time wasting and all that. So th- fair enough. That's a good point to be made there as well. But yeah. uh, no player health and, of course, the mental health and all that too. You know, that's a huge part of it. Absolutely. Exactly. And like the lot, like the teams that have smaller squads and smaller resources will also have like smaller resources in terms of like physios and trying to like make the recovery given the circumstances as quick as possible so like lower clubs are still an advantage but they might be at less of an advantage if they have more bodies that they can put forward is my thinking all right so that's enough depressing losers thoughts (laughs) (laughs) who's your next uh on the winning or things that are going positive yes okay so Big win here, okay? As you know, I follow League One in England and huge benefiter of the lockdown or at least the, you know, the the ramifications of the pandemic was the teams that got promoted out of League One. So Coventry got promoted, like they were rightfully the winners of the league. They had the most points, okay? So they get the title. But then second place Rotherham but what happened is in League One, for those who don't know, they decided to actually just end the season. So other leagues continued behind closed doors and all that, but they just decided to completely end the season. And they went off of a points per game average because not all teams had played the same number of matches. So Rotherham finished in the second automatic promotion position, but they were only three points ahead of, or sorry, there was another like six teams within three points of them. And a few of those teams, for example, played, you know, the, all of the lower table teams in the in the remaining nine games. So they probably would have had a very good chance. Sunderland as well was in, a, was in position to get that automatic spot. We were only three points behind Rotherham. So Rotherham got promoted in the second automatic position. For those who don't know, the third and final promoted spot is decided on a, on a playoff between four teams. So positions three, four, five, and six do a playoff. So this is probably the greatest winners. Wickham were actually in in eighth place going into this points per game. And they jumped all the way up into a promotion position. So they wouldn't have even been in the playoff. But they managed to, based on points per game, jump up a few teams and get into that uh, playoff. And they ended up winning the playoff. So they're the ones That's who are awesome. in the championship right now. So huge, you know, shout out to Wickham fans. They must just, they were loving it. You know, Adebayo, Wickham, yeah. Fenwa, the, the memes that were coming out. That guy, I don't know how that guy's knees are still healthy. He moves around 250 pounds or wherever he is. But um, fantastic for them. So they finished, uh, like I said, they ended up getting that, uh, they won the playoff. They got promoted. So, you know, some big losers in this situation too because of the points per game ended up relegating some teams that were in a good position to still hang on to a position in, in the in the league. So definitely some winners and losers there, but uh, Wickham in particular, huge benefiters of, of the points per game. Yeah, that's good on them. You know, sometimes you need a little help from the mathematicians <laughs> yes. to carry me away. And I'm sure there's a lot of quarrels amongst those like, oh, we don't like the way this was done, doesn't consider this. And uh, I mean, it's unlikely they're going to find something that pleases everyone. Well, that's the thing. Everyone's going to, there is no perfect solution. Like, so Tranmere, who got relegated, mm-hmm. um, the two teams that were, got relegated with Tremere, they were already known to be relegated pretty much early on. Bolton mm-hmm. was in financial trouble. They got deducted points. Yeah. Uh, Bury, I think, was the other team. 
right as at well. the start of the season. Yeah. They got like removed from the league, so they had they got relegated. So Tranmere had a game in hand, and they were three points from safety. So arguably, they win that game in hand. They're tied with whoever else is ahead of them. Yeah. So tough on Tranmere fans. You know, they got relegated to League Two. Uh, their you know their their staff was saying like that's a lost right off the hop lost wages of you know one million or more British yeah. pounds just like that. Uh, income coming through the door so tough tough times for sure yeah that's unfortunate and well hopefully it would just yeah it hopefully we're on the climb and just starting to come down the mountain of like whatever this year's been no doubt that's the hope All right. any other winners on that you've seen yes i do have one and i just have liverpool broadly which is funny. Because, oh, interesting. Let's hear about this. So I think my the way I think of Liverpool as a winner, it's the system that they've like. They're really reaping the benefits of putting a good system. Again, as a Manchester United fan, I can tell you what a bad system looks like. <laughs> <laughs> um, so they are really reaping the benefits of like putting good like strategic moves in point. Um, so who are they missing? They're missing truly close to like six fast, no, like more than six fasting players. They're missing Van Dijk, Gomez, uh, Trent. They're also uh, missing Thiago, um, Henderson, Nabi Keita, <laughs> who mm-hmm. just left off the last game. Mo Salah with COVID. So like mm-hmm. very much like staples of the team missing right now but they had a very good convincing a very Shikiri. good can't forget yeah. about Shakiri. <laughs> yeah Shakiri, uh ox so like yeah. truly you'd think like if this was a time to like no in a ferguson's words no liverpool off their perch <laughs> yeah well, this so, would be yeah this would be it but argument, yeah. the leicester game was very convincing um lovely johnny evans header <laughs> but, oh my what boy did he tuck that away well hey it was so good. I, was I like, couldn't have done that. In, but brilliant. Oh <laughs> but um, what I saw when that game showed to me is this grand worry. Like, obviously, it hurts not to have all these players, but they had a system in place. You know, like you had, you can see by how well Curtis Jones, I think this is his second Premier League start, um, plays the way he stepped up you can see like he's still learning but like very much you know he knows the system which to me says that the Liverpool way of playing is like trickling down into the academy and you can also see like uh Fabinho obviously excellent uh marshalling the back line which is really wonderful uh it was great to see and Mm -hmm. goes without saying Diogo Jota like just like took on this like a fish to water (laughs) Totally. And yeah, I think has four. He has more home game, like more game, more goals on at home than a number of clubs, including Manchester United. So, um, yeah. So it's. I think it might also be more than City at home. Well, but you've talked about home. this too about how you know the frustration as a United fan about targeting certain players and how they play for your style of play as a club and then going and getting them or being patient and getting them at the right time and i think that we see that with uh with liverpool they just keep getting the transfers right you know we need a direct winger okay let's get jota he's a direct winger he's been like that for wolverhampton they play defensively in the counter and he's direct and we bought him for that reason and he's you know he's he's fit right in naturally into their style yeah. so. we have like they also the way again i'm a huge data person so like it's always good to see it like come to fruition or be inter- integrated in the footballing sphere and actually have the desired effect that it doesn't take over but it actually works in tandem with what the coach is trying to do so what i one thing that i read about is how given how much like time on the training ground is limited due to like schedules and all that good stuff is they use a ton of video analysis and you have like their in-house they have like a robust in-house data analysis team and the way they've managed to then translate it to players i make sure like it really gives you a leg up now people are on the same page more often <laughs> than not and i don't know so i thought that the way they've managed to bounce back and actually reap the benefits 
is a good for the team in itself but it's also that kind of level of organization is good for the game because I think it can then help push the needle on a number of clubs <coughs> cough cough man united <laughs> just to, to like be like see that works maybe we should get some of that yeah no fair enough hey and just that patience that you need to get it right no so th- for sure and they're winning and they're continuing to win and i guess have they directly benefited from the pandemic maybe not so much but they're still getting it done aren't they um yeah no i think i well i think this is kind of a benefit i mean like when i think of benefit of the pandemic is kind really more accurately translated med the best decisions they could whilst in a pandemic whilst in it yeah no that makes sense yeah for sure although i guess they're not really chuffed with sala right now for going to his brother's wedding there but um but it's also his brother like i understand coffee i know you could uh, probably i understand a, that but we like, could have like, a whole episode on that one would you go maybe that should be our sidelines of size. would you go to your brother's wedding if it was in the pandemic and you had to play a match <laughs> I, I mean it's like your sibling and like you're never going to get that moment again so yes it's a rock and a hard place and i completely understand why he chose to go be a part of that like that's your family and especially in this pandemic where you the moments to see the people you care about are few and far in between i'm just like mm-hmm. yeah i get that like you also get to your entitled to like being upset because your priority is the football match but like you know people are like complex they just like it's not football 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 and they it's, care about nothing else this whole thing's complex isn't it yeah i'll tell you what's not complex <laughs> i'll tell you what's not complex is this loss or this this unfortunate loser of the pandemic Robert Lewandowski was robbed of his Ballon d'Or. Oh, God. He should have won the Ballon d'Or, hands down. How much are the Germans paying you? <laughs> That's hilarious. Oh, my gosh. No, I I just want to see someone else win this thing. I mean, I know Modric won it, um, but, you know, 11 of the 12 past Ballon d'Or winners have been Ronaldo or Messi, and, and quite deservedly, let's be frank. But Lewandowski wins the treble. Uh, never before has the player, or sorry, ha- has a player won a treble and also been the top scorer in all three competitions. So he had 15 goals in the Champions League. He had 34 in, uh, goals and four assists in the Bundesliga. He had six goals in the Cup in Germany. 55 goals in total in 47 matches. I know I can just hear the fans saying, but it's the Bundesliga and anyone can score in the Bundesliga. I'm not having that. At the end of the day, you got to score against who's in front of you. And I still think that he is the best number nine in the world right now. Uh, Messi and Ronaldo scored 31 and 37 last year, um, respectively. And of course, France Football Federation, once they confirmed that they were closing down Ligue 1, they decided to also uh, shut up shut up the uh, competition for the Ballon d'Or, cancel it for the pandemic. So, I mean, Lewandowski... Too. Yeah, I don't know, like, right? Uh, we were all waiting with <laughs> bated breath for that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, of course, I don't think that this is... Unlike Ronaldo, who has come out and said at different times throughout his career, like, my goal is to win, or one of my goals, because he has lots of goals, is to win the Ballon d'Or, like, every year. So... I don't think you've heard Lewandowski say that. You know, he said his greatest dream was to win the Champions League, which he finally did. So good on him. Uh, I think he much, of course, he cares far more about winning that than the Ballon d'Or. But I still think that would have been really nice uh, for him to be acknowledged for the tremendous consistency that he keeps demonstrating year upon year. And um, yeah, so that you know, that's that's uh, that's one of the losers for me is that he lost out on winning the Ballon d'Or, which I don't think he should have. Yeah, that's it's tough. Like he was absolutely outstanding, and I have no qualm with what you say. What he has won though is TikTok. Have you seen Lewandowski's <laughs> dancing TikToks? Oh my that gosh, is no! A win? Oh, maybe is it <laughs> depends Whoa. on how you see it. Shoot, thirty. I'm thirty-two. Can, you know, TikTok is still loud up here in Canada. I should get on it, shouldn't I? I am not on it, but I the people send them to me. So <laughs> if you send them to me, I won't say no. I thought it was banned in the states. How can you get around it? It's not. Oh, it's not seen, bad? <laughs> it's like, have you seen, like, we can't, like, oh put, God. like, two, like, one foot in front of the other, so I am not particularly, oh, gosh. <laughs> yeah, impressed by our banning tactics. However, he has some very funny videos of him dancing, and it's very much, like, 
I it, it's like if my not my dad, but like if my uncle was trying to be cool and like dance, <laughs> it's oh my absolutely hilarious. It's like this is what all the kids are doing these days, and it's yeah, it's both funny and cringy and funny and heartwarming at the same time. That's so, right. Yeah, it's a roller coaster of emotions. It's terrible. What is likable at the same time? Man, you've given us a bit of a, a homework list here. We got to watch this uh, this uh, penalty shootout, this MLS penalty shootout, and Please now we got to watch some Lewandowski TikTok videos. That's great. Yeah, we That's need all of it's Thanksgiving. I'm in a very giving mood <laughs> for me that's awesome for me um yeah we just had our thanksgiving um i would probably argue i still think that kevin de bruyne was the best player in the world last year but of course they tend to go for people who win the, you know they win the titles and win the leagues and all that so he didn't he missed out on the epl on the champions league and all that so he probably wouldn't get the award from the beginning but i mean just what kevin de bruyne was doing was phenomenal you know Masterclass. Chance creation, you know, tracking back and winning the ball for his team, you know, sprinting and almost speaking of hamstrings, you know, to the point of redlining his his body uh, at 90 minutes, like just phenomenal, right? So um, I still think that he was the best player probably in, in terms of eye, you know, mm-hmm. eye test, but Lewandowski, good on him. Well done. And uh, we'll see what happens this year. Maybe the, the Ballon d'Or is back up for debate again. Yeah, um, the so the, my final loser and perhaps a really big one is all of us. It's the fans. <gasps> huge L, <laughs> huge huge L. I was just thinking about how normal it's become to watch a lot of football in most leagues without fans, and it's just yes, incredibly sad. I like I have a harder time like unless I'm very invested in the game, I have a harder time focusing even with like the crowd noise on because i do tend to like if a game there's a lull in the game a bit oh like oh look at that fun like doing something absolutely absurd look at that portsmouth fan grabbing luco nine and pulling him over the boards and throwing some fisticuffs and getting a ban for three yeah. or four years or whatever it was and i love going game to watch. games you know like yeah. i was um i went to one of the last uh prime games before things shut down and it was like yeah, that did. was like That's a right. wonderful experience it's just like Everyone is like excited and mad at the same time, mm-hmm. and it's just like a whole, like the energy is just you can't replicate. And so, like that's just been such a huge loss that I think with uh, as it comes more normalized to like watch these without fans for good reason. Um, mm-hmm. It's like we can and sometimes like forget like how big of like a contribution that they make that mm-hmm. we make to the game. Well said. Um, so that's like that's been, yeah, I, it's been very sad and just <laughs> knowing that I was like, oh, it's gonna be a couple months, but now coming up to the end of the year and like knowing that we realistically won't have like a full stadium till like probably mid sermon next year, knows, like eh? yeah. Yeah. But the silver lining here is that once in for the UK at least anyway, um, once the lockdown is lifted on um, December second, there are plans to make like to give like four thousand spectators to attend Premier League games depending on like what risk area you're in. So there's like three tiers like low, high, medium, low, medium, high, and if you're in a low risk area, there's a chance you can go, which will be very exciting and also yeah anyway those days are great <laughs> yeah well i think you're i don't have much to add glow i mean uh not having fans as part of like that's synonymous with footy right it's what it's been a tremendous joy for us both we've both talked about our different experiences across the globe with footy it's it's kind of that international language isn't it, it brings people together and but with that said there's been some neat ways in which fans have connected i mean heck you and i that's a, another example i've learned a lot about football you know the kind of football that you're paying attention to and, and vice versa and i found myself you know as different leagues around the world restarted suddenly remember we were talking about the k league and yeah you know it's been neat to to look at other parts of footy if other parts of footy that we normally paying attention to were shut down or but yeah i hear you you know and i we all look forward i'm sure to to the day that we're back to being able to have our butts in the seats and and you know get that that uh, pint you know thrown from behind us and really we get a bit bad of that food spray. like really <laughs> bad food uh, gotta miss oh that my gosh, yeah. like I, I can't justifiably just 
eat what I can eat at a game because it's just like the mental like I am going to order this for myself outside yes. this context does it like the line is kind of broken which is good let's not reattach those <laughs> I can't isn't it so I can't even remember the last live match I went to like I think I assume it was probably MLS but I just can't even like picture it in my head yeah it's been a while well that leads us um neatly into a sideline aside where we'll be right back Welcome back, everyone. For today's Sidelines and Sides chat, we have a recommendation from a fan to discuss how should teams decide on who gets to come into the stadium and watch the match live. You know, uh, so uh, one of our listeners, you know, he's a Newcastle supporter, Josh, and he was telling, you know, their 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 stadium is what, like 47,000 seats or something like that, and you're going to have an allotment of... I think it's 2,000 seats or something like that for fans and supporters to come in and watch. So how on earth are they going to decide who gets to watch the match? You know, there's going to be some some fans that are devastated. Um, you know, so like here it is here. So Newcastle has 35,000 or more season tickets. And they're only going to allow anywhere from 1,000 to 4,000 fans back in the stadium. So who should go? Glow. What should we do? What's the what's the creative way that teams should figure out how to let a certain number of fans into the stadium? Fight to the death <laughs> immediately. Fight to, fight to the death. <laughs> Grant uh, a massive field of LARPing and just everyone like fight to the death. That's awesome. Yeah, I just okay. I actually have some ideas, some <laughs> very fun ideas. Um, so there's two categories, right? You can. Enter via the physical challenges or the more brainy mental challenges. Now, if you choose to compete for your seat in a physical challenge aspect, you have two options. You can do a penalty shootout against another fan, okay? <laughs> so we're going to get you a decent-ish goalkeeper and you just penalty shootout, whoever gets the most out of five. Great. Okay. However, there's also the option, if you are not feeling your kicking boots today... You can run. So we'll have a dash along the length of the field with a ball. It's like a 100-yard dash, but you have to do it with a football. And you have to stay in your lane. <laughs> so, stay in your lane. <laughs> exactly. So okay. we know that. Now, if you would like to use your mental faculties a bit more to get your seat, you could just traditional team trivia about okay. the team and yeah, the I was opponent. About this. Some quiz or something like that. Yes, but this is the best one. Here's bonus points if you enter via this category. You have to identify the team and the players or that are related by just pictures of their eyebrows or their hair oh, or their calf muscles. Like <laughs> that's, that's how we're doing it. Grealish, yes. uh, Arteta, all gold yeah. favorites, right? Yeah. Oh, so that's funny. Yeah, and basically, I've solved it. So, no questions here. <laughs> That's awesome. All right. I always really rock in my brain because I'm trying to think of, you know, these are great. I'm trying to think of um, examples that, yeah, exactly. They wouldn't depend on physical ability because we want you know, anywhere from a child to a senior to, you know, someone maybe with an injury or disability to attend. So, I also thought of the quiz. I thought of that. But then I also got back to the old days of, remember when we would all line up and you'd be playing a you know a, a team sport at recess and you pick captains remember that mm-hmm. you know okay captains and then you would so hope you're not the last person picked and i thought okay every week or every home game the team will designate a new captain so you know let's say for example um i don't know you know they at the start of the week they post some youtube video of that that player saying okay i'm captain this week these are the things i like or a little bit about myself so the fans get to know who the player is and what they like and then on game day you know let's say the morning of you got to show up and you basically have to somehow impress that player and he's just going to pick you he's the captain so it could be anything i know you got to figure it out maybe you dress up in some crazy way maybe i like this love island vibe you're bringing to this Love just, like, just like if oh you don't like that it's like if you like it, please step forward all oh, right so like i know i'm just thinking out loud so i'm a Sunderland supporter so let's say for example the days of old like lee Cattermole this week is your captain and some guy shows up in like the shortest shorts in honor of lee <laughs> and he loves it right you're in 
you're in, get in the stadium. And you got to figure it out. I don't know. You, 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 you personal message him on Instagram, some like awesome video or I don't know anything. Mm-hmm. You figure it out, find a way to like tug at the heartstrings of that particular player that particular week and you get your spot. So team captain style, that could be kind of fun. It leaves That'd room for really creativity fun. for everybody, you know? Uh, why do you like the same? Oh, you could also have people like go through like the team songs or like make a new one. I would like to hear some poetry, some really oh, bad yeah. poetry from people. Anything. Yeah. Exactly. And so he could, you know, you find a way to like get your name out there or get heard. Um, but uh, it would be tough, you know, only a thousand or four thousand fans. Uh, it sounds like they're leaning towards, which makes sense. You know, the longest season tickets holders get first priority. Um, the idea being that they've been supporters for longer. Um, there could be also maybe some way of you know, the club asking you, well, what are you going to do for us by being in that stadium? Like, how are you going to help us win? And then they got to do some like written assignment of presenting to the club of well this is what i'll do this is what i'll bring to you on match day you know uh you could also do like a decibel reader beside everyone's voice and like the louder voices get into the stadium (laughs) because they are able to generate more you know fan atmosphere or supporter culture or whatever you want to call it the part where i just play myself on the speaker (laughs) (laughs) exactly yeah but uh, well, it's going to be interesting to see, hey? It's going to be interesting to see who, who gets let in. I mean, I know that watching some of these MLS matches with some fans in the stadiums, it, it yeah. sure looks different. It makes a huge difference for sure. It just felt so different for, like, all the people that were there. And, like, when mm-hmm. players were running to celebrate, they actually had someone to celebrate to besides this weird stand situation. But, yeah. Anyway, Premier League, please hit us up. We, we solved it. You're welcome. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Captains will be announced tomorrow. Exactly. I mean, we should start doing that for hours. <laughs> we'll, we'll figure it out. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, this has been Fun Glow. And, uh, you know, thanks, everyone, to listening again to another new episode. And uh, we hope, again, in the light of this world pandemic that we're all in, different lockdowns and whatnot being reinforced in different parts around the globe that again we just bring a little bit of uh, light and levity into your day yeah thank you again team uh we're always thrilled to have you spend an hour or so of your day with us we feel very honored by you taking the time please um it's getting colder at least in my part of the world spend some time with your families uh with your loved ones and generally take care of yourself and we'll talk to you again very soon talk to you soon